My name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, former world heavyweight champion, and I want you to choose your four. This is Pro Wrestling Rushmore. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Choose your four. It's Pro Wrestling Rushmore. Hello, humanoids. This is Ian from Squared Circle History, and I want you to choose your four. It's Pro Wrestling Rushmore. Welcome to the only podcast that picks a topic and allows you, the fans, to decide who winds up on our ultimate Mount Rushmore of a given topic. And this week, with it being our Halloween episode, this is going to be the Mount Rushmore of face-painted wrestlers. And, guess what? Brian is not here this week. Somebody in a Mil Mascaris mask must have, uh, must have attacked him for last week's episode. But filling in this week is a good friend of mine, Danny Love. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Danny, I know you listen to the show. What wrestling shirt are you wearing today? I'm wearing a classic RVD shirt. It's the gray one with the dragon with the RVD outline from the tail. I believe it came out in 2002. I remember seeing it very often in high school because I remember you wearing it a lot. That's what we did. We wore our wrestling shirts in high school and... Only a few people got the references, but that's all right. We're repping our Ring of Honor and repping our the guys that we liked. Today, I have my Heat Wave ECW 1998 shirt that just came out from the Extreme Collector, and it was designed by Jedi Jack Yeti. And if you are interested in this shirt, you can go on to Instagram. And go to the Extreme Collectors page. I don't know if he still has any more for sale, but if he does, then that's where you would go. But it depicts the Rob Van Dam and Sabu against Hayabusa in Jinsai Shinzeki shirt. It's a really cool design. You should check it out. It's not soft style, though. I don't think your shirt's soft style either, Danny. It's so old, it's become soft style. Yeah, that's a good point. At least it doesn't have any holes in it. That's good. Wow. As usual, reading the list for us this week is the lovely, the talented Sarah. Hey, missing you, Brian, but it's nice to have you here, Danny. And come to think of it, Danny didn't get a proper intro. So, again, joining me this week is the bald and the beautiful, Danny Love. That's good, right? It's awesome, Ian. All right, awesome. Bald is beautiful. So, with all that said... Let's begin construction of the Mount Rushmore of face-painted wrestlers. Starting us off, Pat R. the Superstar, with The Ultimate Warrior, Road Warrior Animal, Demolition Smash, and Hakushi. So right off the bat, we got our list from Pat R., and he is being very specific. And I gotta tell you, not a lot of people were as specific as Pat this week. 
the first thing I want to mention is, I know that Pat is wearing a Hakushi shirt right now. And I have Hakushi on my shirt, too. And I find that to be very, very strange that two people in the same room have Hakushi on their shirts. Nobody's going to say bless you? Come on, people. Bless you. Thank you. But Hakushi, awesome uh, awesome presentation on him with the, the kanji tattoos going all up and down his body. He actually began as a soccer player. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, he began as a soccer player, and and then he decided, hey, I, th- I think I'm going to give this wrestling a shot. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad he did, because he had some legendary matches in the WWF against Bret Hart and against the 1-2-3 kid. Um, and then in FMW, he had some really good matches as well, teaming with and facing Hayabusa. Brian is not here this week. Danny, do you have any memories of Hakushi? Of Hakushi, uh, just like the simplicity of his face paint and the fact that he was actually the only signed heavyweight to, I believe, FMW? Or was uh, that for Michinoku? Michinoku Pro. Yeah, it was for Michinoku Pro. And uh, he uh, he really made a name for himself at Michinoku Pro and he wound up being the, uh, the booker of Michinoku Pro up until, I believe, a few years ago. Yeah, Akushi was awesome. And uh, also on Pat's list, like we said, he was very specific. So he has Demolition Smash. He didn't he didn't take the easy way out and just put Demolition. He puts Demolition Smash. So I, I gotta say, between Smash, between Crush, between Axe, Smash had the coolest of the face paints of Demolition. And Smash, before that, was Crusher Khrushchev. With, uh, with the Russians in Jim Crockett promotions. And then, you know, he actually was the second Smash. There was a, there was a Smash before him. It was Randy Colley from, uh, from the Moondogs. But, and it's actually really funny because Randy Colley came up with the idea for the gimmick of Demolition. And then they kicked him out. And they brought Barry Darso, Crusher Khrushchev, in. So yeah, Smash. Then he went on to become the Repo Man. It's almost like he repossesses gimmicks. Ah, uh, he was also, geez, he was the blacktop bully in WCW, and he also had a golfer gimmick as well, which did not last at all. Uh, also, Pat mentions Road Warrior Animal. He doesn't mention Hawk. He mentions Road Warrior Animal. Just Animal, and you know something? I have to agree, because Animal definitely had the cooler of the two face paint. Pa- face paints. I don't know how you would want to say that. But, Danny, any thoughts on Road Warrior Animal? Definitely have to agree with Animal. Uh, Hawk, although it was cool, just kind of simple with just the black flare, the red flare. Yeah, got to agree with Animal. I also find it funny that you said that Hakushi's paint was simplistic, which is really funny because it covers his entire body. So it is simplistic, but there's just so much of it. It's everywhere. Oh, kanji everywhere. Kanji all over the place. They kanjied all over him. Yes, but face paint, not body paint. Ah, there you go. See? Danny is as specific as Pat is. Not easy to say. But yeah, Road Warrior Animal began his career as a bouncer. Uh, came to Georgia Championship Wrestling as the Road Warrior. Um, he 
didn't really enjoy the gimmick, nor would I, because he wrestled in Daisy Dukes and a leather vest and a leather hat, and he looked like he was out of the village people. So then he got a tag team partner. He got a tag team partner in Hawk, thanks to Paul Ellering, and the rest is history. And then, of course, rounding out Pat's list, of course, some guy named the Ultimate Warrior. We probably won't hear his name anymore on this list. Ah, uh, Sarah, who do we have next? Next we have the list from Bobby on the Beat, with Ultimate Warrior, Sting, Road Warrior Hawk, and Road Warrior Animal. Yes, of course I'm being facetious. The Ultimate Warrior is all over this list. He's the ultimate pack! Danny, does he remind you of a girl's bike? Yeah. <laughs> yeah those tassels, tassels there. And... Reminds me of Pee Wee Herman's bike. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing today, Mr. Ultimate Warrior Bike? <laughs> but, uh... Ultimate Warrior, former bodybuilder, founded by California promoter Rick Bassman. Rick Bassman's responsible for teaming up the Ultimate Warrior and Sting. Rockin' Sting. The, uh... The Blade Runners. Wow, almost forgot that one. The Blade Runners. But, uh... Yeah, so what do you think about that? The Ultimate Warrior and Sting, two guys that went on to have iconic face paint designs... Started out as tag team partners. I like it, but which version of Sting's face paint are we talking? Are we talking the crow? Are we talking the surfer? What, which? That's a very, very good question because Sting, another name that is definitely going to be on the Mount Rushmore, we can say that right now, uh, has had numerous designs, numerous fa face paint designs, and his character changed with the face paint. Because, as Danny mentioned, he started out as the surfer character, the surfer Sting with the bleach blonde spiky hair, kind of like Bart Simpson. He was all happy-go-lucky and... Ow! I don't want to scream too loud and scare the neighbors, but he... he Ric Flair had woo! And Sting had ow! So, there is a difference. But um, yeah, but yeah, one day, backstage in the locker room, they were thinking of ideas to freshen up the Sting character, and Scott Hall said... Hey, Sting, you ever see that movie The Crow, man? You should paint your face like The Crow, man. And the rest is history. Sting became The Crow Sting, and lurked in the rafters, and there was that one time he had that vulture on his shoulder, and went on to have a, I would say one of the greatest feuds of all time with Hollywood Hogan and the NWO, which led up to a very disappointing match, and uh, one of the biggest follies of... WCW right there. But, uh, Danny, fond memories of Sting. Fond memories of Sting. Uh, just the rafters. Yeah. That was just yeah. so cool. You, you had to tune in every week because you didn't know when he was going to repel from the ceiling and clean house. Didn't utter a word for over a year. Yeah. Didn't have a match in over a year, but still was the most popular character they had. That, uh, that speaks volumes for the talent of Mr. Steve Borden Sting even uh he even held out for years and years on a WWF contract WWE contract that was guaranteed he could have taken that contract at any time but he stuck with WCW he stayed on the sinking ship he went over to TNA had a career resurgence over there and eventually signed with WWF and then his career ended in a match with Seth Rollins. Poor twist of fate right there, huh? Too bad. 
What could have been? What could have been? He could have held out and just had the match with The Undertaker. But that's all we wanted to see. That's all we wanted to see. And Hawk. Hawk gets a, uh, gets a vote on here. So, let me explain this right now. For the people that voted, say, for the Road Warriors in one slot, because of that, those votes are going to count as .5. So, it'll all make sense later. Sarah, who do we have next? JC from EP votes for Ultimate Warrior, Sting, Demolition, and the Road Warriors. So there we go. We have a vote right there for Demolition. So, that means that X is going to get half a point, and that means that Crush is going to get half a point, and that means that Smash now has 1.5. So yeah, that's what happens when you're not specific. But it does make things exciting, and we'll, we'll have to see how that comes into play a little bit later on. But uh, Demolition, they had some excellent theme music. And there we go. We have we have another vote there for the Ultimate Warrior. Um, funny story about the Ultimate Warrior. He did the uh, he did the Gorilla Press Slam, and which requires him, you know, to grab a guy and press slam him over his head like you would say a barbell. Well, it was a lot easier for the Warrior to get the guys up if he put one hand on their face and one hand on their testicles, and unfortunately. Ultimate Warrior, as you could tell, was always amped up and, you know, running around like crazy and full of energy. And when he lifted the guys up, he would always squeeze way too hard, and everybody complained about it. It was even a time he did it to Bobby Heenan and, uh, screwed up. He, he can lift these 200, 300-pound men over his head, but grabs Bobby Heenan and lifts Bobby Heenan over his head and screws up and drops Bobby, well, puts his hand... On Bobby Heenan's neck and nearly breaks Bobby Heenan's neck on the way down. So yeah, the Ultimate Warrior grabs balls and breaks necks. What do you <laughs> what do you think of that one, Danny? I'm just thinking he probably grabbed a bit too much on Heenan. Hey, he might have. He might have. Maybe it, it caught Heenan off guard, and that's what uh, that's what threw him for a loop. But um, the Ultimate Warrior came back in WCW. In 1998, to feud with Hulk Hogan. And it resulted in one of the worst wrestling matches of all time. Halloween Havoc 1998. Whatever could go wrong did go wrong. Hulk Hogan tried to throw a fireball and threw it in his own face. <laughs> but then the warrior acted like it hit him. Oh, God, it was awful. It was just so awful. Which is terrible because at WrestleMania six, you had the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, which was a legendary match. What happened? Was it time? I think it was Pat Patterson. Because Pat Patterson was in WWF. And he was the agent that helped put the batch together in WWF. In WCW, they just let the inmates run the asylum. Too many politics. Too many politics, Danny. Definitely WCW trend. Yes, that is correct. Sarah, who do we have next? The next submission is from Mike the Wolverine. Sting... Dustin Rhodes, Road Warrior Animal, and Doink. So, Dustin Rhodes and Goldust are going to count as the same because, of course, Goldust is more well-known, but Dustin Rhodes, still performing today, still wears face paint, and definitely deserves to be on this list. What yeah. do you think? What do you think of Dustin Rhodes? Absolutely. I actually really like that pick. I've always liked the Goldust character. And yes, 
all the different variations of the face paint. And he's always he's always been consistent. He's been a consistent performer, of course. The son of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. He um he really uh really got his break early in the WWF in nineteen ninety, teaming with uh with his father, but then when his father left, he left. They went to WCW, they went to go work for Bill Watts and Dustin really honed his skills against the likes of stunning Steve Austin, ravishing Rick Rude, Barry Windham. It was a fateful match against the blacktop bully in the back of an 18-wheeler at Uncensored 1995 that cost him and the blacktop bully their jobs because they bladed, they bled in the back of that truck and WCW had a no-blood policy. They got fired. And because of that... Dustin Rhodes goes to WWF and becomes Gold Dust. Bizarre, huh? Absolutely. What's even more bizarre? Dustin Rhodes was supposed to come to the WWF in 1993. WrestleMania 9, Caesar's Palace, the hand-picked opponent of Hulk Hogan. It was supposed to be Hulk Hogan versus Dustin Rhodes. And Dustin Rhodes was, was going to be a bad guy, a heel, coming to avenge his father take out Hulk Hogan. That would have been pretty cool. I would have liked to have seen that. Possibly the early version of the American Nightmare. Hey, there you go. That is a, that is a great point there. And while we're talking about that, Cody, Dustin Rhodes, last year, AEW, had one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Bloodiest. Absolutely. Also one of the greatest. That was an awesome match. Must see. If you've never seen it, you have to see it. But while we're on the Gold Dust topic, what about Seven? Remember Seven in WCW? Yes. Very short-lived that. Yeah. Even Dustin decided it was garbage. And on TV said, he's not doing this. He's not doing this crap. But then he goes to TNA years later and he's Black Rain. <laughs> Google it. Oh. And of course, Doink. Vince McMahon's answer to It. No, really. Vince McMahon saw the movie It. And he was inspired. And he came up with Doink the Clown. Doink the Clown was portrayed by legendary territory wrestler Matt Bourne. Matt the Maniac Bourne. And Doink started out as a scary, maniacal clown, and he'd pop balloons of children and throw confetti and water on people. But then Matt Bourne was released from the promotion, and they had to find somebody else to portray Doink. So who did they find? And eh, they just took the guy who played Max Moon. So he portrayed it for a little while. And even the Brooklyn Brawler portrayed Doink for a little while. And Doink was big on the independence. I'm not the Doink you think. Because it's just a guy dressed as a clown. So they could have anybody play that. So a lot of promotions were advertising Doink. And it got to the point where WWF said, No, no, no. No more Doink. No more Doink for you. There's only one Doink. And this one Doink's over here. Hi, Brian. So yes, Doink. And Doink's just legendary. I mean, and he's even popped back up now and then. Um, but Matt Bourne, Matt Bourne was... Uh, I heard a story not too long ago about Matt Bourne. And he was in a bar with a girl. And B. Brian Blair walked in. And for whatever reason, maybe the girl tipped Matt Bourne off or what. But Matt Bourne was under the impression... That B. Brian Blair was hitting on his girlfriend. B. 
Brian Blair denies it, but a fight ensued. And the fight was so wild that B. Brian Blair bit off a piece of Matt Bourne's lip. But that didn't stop Matt Bourne. He kept coming back for more. However, he didn't win the fight. But yeah, that's Doink in a nutshell. Doink had a, a feud in the early days of Raw with Randy Savage. He had another feud, more people would remember, with Crush. The situation at WrestleMania 9 with the two Doinks. And Doink had a feud with Bam Bam Bigelow. He even had a feud with Jerry the King Lawler where he introduced Doink Dink, or no, Doink introduced Pink and Wink to go with his manager Dink. And they had a Survivor Series team against Jerry Lawler's cheesy, sleazy, and queasy. The royal family. But yes, Doink. Memorable, memorable name. Sarah, who do we have next? The four Steve the Savage chose are Ultimate Warrior, Sting, The Great Kabuki, and Jeff Hardy. Okay, so, you know, beyond the Blade Runners there, Ultimate Warrior and Sting, we've got a vote here for The Great Kabuki. The Great Kabuki, Danny, you got some Great Kabuki stories for me? Uh, just one green mist. The green mist, yes. The Great Kabuki, the inventor of the green mist. Now, Great Kabuki was recruited by the great Gary Hart, and uh, the Kabuki character was really big down in Texas, world-class championship wrestling, as well as Georgia championship wrestling, is feuding with the likes of Dusty Rhodes, Bruiser Brody, the fabulous Freebirds, Gentleman Chris Adams, and uh, more famously, he was in the 1994 Royal Rumble, and he came out earlier in the night to attack The Undertaker, and join Yokozuna in his henchmen and stuffing the Undertaker in the casket that he eventually rose out of. But it was actually Marty Jannetty, just as the Undertaker. A lot of people say it wasn't Marty Jannetty. They say it was Jim Powers. But regardless, it wasn't the Undertaker. But yeah, the Great Kabuki. Green Mist. The Inventor. Think of all the people that have uh, used the Green Mist since him. Tajiri comes to mind right away. Definitely Asuka. Asuka. There you go. There you go. I like that. I didn't think of that one. That's a good one. Another person that used the green mist will come up very shortly, but I don't want to spoil anything yet. Um, Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, a modern-day person that uh, covers himself in face paint and actually has some really cool designs. What do you think? I like that pick. It's usually always different, but still slightly similar. I like it. Yeah, and it seems like he, he started really using face paint... Um, in 2002, after the first draft, when him when he was drafted to Raw, Matt Hardy was drafted to SmackDown, then he started doing, you know, the blue stripe across his eyes, and then he'd do, like, glow-in-the-dark face paint. But uh, then he really ramped it up when he went to TNA, when he came back to WWE, when went back to TNA, when he came back to WWE. He just loves to paint himself up. It always looks interesting. Very colorful. I always liked it when he did it at the Titan Tron with the glow paint. Yeah, that was a very cool entrance. Do you have like a do you have like a favorite Jeff Hardy moment? Favorite Jeff Hardy moment. Um, I'm sure it's not the time when he came out drunk at the end of the TNA pay per view to fight Sting and really should not have been sent through that curtain, but they still sent him out. But I'm sorry. Yeah, that's one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, it was probably at a TNA show that you and I went to and he was wrestling the main event as the heel champion. Yes. And just my opinion with heels and keeping KFAB, they had him at the end of the show doing all these autograph signings and smiling for the fans. 
Yeah, didn't make sense. Didn't make sense at all. But yeah, Jeff Hardy. We may we may talk a little bit more about the charismatic enigma. But uh, Sarah, who do we have next? The list from Yankees 1989 includes Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and the Road Warriors. Hey, Brian's favorite, Yankees 1989, and gives us the Blade Runners and the Road Warriors. Just gotta say it, just for Brian, Yankees suck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they said it, not me. Sarah, who do we have next? The next submission comes to us from On The Mark Shirts, The Great Muda, The Road Warriors, Exotic Adrian Street, and The Missing Link. So we have a lot to dissect here, so we're going to start with The Great Muda. Great Muda, somebody who started in Japan, he was founded by Gary Hart, and Gary Hart made him the son of the Great Kabuki. So the Great Muda, you know, donning similar face paint, uh, but also adopting the Green Mist. And he quickly got involved in a feud with Sting. He was the tag team partner of the living legend himself. The foreman of the Double Cross Ranch. Terry Funk. But yeah, Great Moda got in, a, got in a big feud with Sting. And Lex Luger. And even Ric Flair. Went on to Japan. Went back to Japan. Went to New Japan. Uh, for their resurgence. Feuded with Masahiro Chono. Under his other identity. His real name, Keiji Mudo which began a very interesting dynamic. Keiji Mudo was a straight-laced wrestler when he came out, just a beloved baby face. But the great Mudo, once he put the face paint on, was more aggressive, more violent. Similar to somebody else we're going to be talking about soon. But yes, the great Mudo had a phenomenal career, even came back to WCW, teamed with Vampiro. They won the tag team titles. Remember this, Danny? I do remember that in... That was a stable that also, I'm surprised, didn't get mentioned with a couple people. Yes. Let's talk about them right now. Let's talk, let's talk about the Dark Carnival, and let's talk about the, the other members involved there. Other, I guess you could call them face-painted wrestlers, because they're definitely wrestling personalities, because they've been everywhere. The Insane Clown Posse. The Insane Clown Posse started out in ECW, then they made their way to WWF with the oddities. Turned on the oddities, and they went with the headbangers, more face-painted wrestlers that didn't get mentioned, Mosh and Thrasher. But then, the Insane Cloud Posse made their way to WCW, and they formed a formidable alliance with Vampiro and with the great Muda. And when Muda and Vampiro teamed up, they won the tag team titles for a night. But the Insane Cloud Posse, yeah, they even had their own wrestling promotion. Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Yes, it was uh, it was different, but you know, when you spray each other with Fago, I guess you are a little bit different. But in that case, maybe that's the norm. Who am I to judge? But yeah, who are we talking about? The Insane Clown Posse. What do you think about the Insane Clown Posse, Danny and wrestling? I mean, they've been in pretty much every major promotion. Every, even TNA. They were in TNA, too. Yeah, TNA briefly, WWF at the time. WWF everything. Yeah, if it was wrestling, they were in it. Even their company, JCW, they're yep. still around. They're still kicking. Yeah, they have the, the gathering uh, every year. I, I would assume they didn't have it this year. But, uh, hey, one never knows. But, uh, yeah, 
the Insane Clown Posse. I, I enjoyed watching Rob Van Dam beat the hell out of them in ECW. That was a, that was a heck of a moment right there. So it was a good time. Always a good time. But yeah, the Great Muda affiliated with them. After Great Muda left WCW, he uh, he put on a mask. He still wore face paint, but he was more known for wearing the mask. And also as KG Mudo. Uh, was a very successful heel in all Japan pro wrestling, winning the Triple Crown over there. But the Great Muda will always be remembered for his face paint. Also mentioned here, Exotic Adrian Street, a Welsh wrestler who uh, had a gimmick very similar to Goldust, but because he was way before Goldust. He was in the 70s, he was in the 80s. He, uh, I guess he would would be the inventor of the gimmick, but very flamboyant, very flamboyant gimmick, wore makeup, put his hair in pigtails, and uh, the way he got out of holds was pinching wrestlers' bottoms and kissing them on the cheek, but uh, he had his wife manage him, and when he got out of the business, him and his wife started their own wrestling gear company, and they made gears for, they made gears, they made gear for a lot of the wrestlers, most notably Mick Foley and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But yeah, Exotic Adrian Street, the WWE Network even did a documentary on him recently for the innovative gimmick that he had. Definitely innovative for the time. Definitely innovative for the time, that's for sure. Another innovative gimmick, The Missing Link, Dewey Robertson. Know anything about The Missing Link, Danny? Uh... Not much, but I mean, he was also incredibly brief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in um, yeah, because I mean, he was he was in world class. He was uh, down in Florida for championship wrestling from Florida. Um, he had great feuds with the Von Erichs, with the Freebirds. But yes, he did have a brief run in the WWF. And funny story about the missing link, beyond the fact that he painted his face green and had blue eyeshadow. Well, I guess it was still face paint uh, around his eyes. But um, he was under the impression that a manager was a manager. So for a long time, or for the brief time that he was in WWF, he expected Bobby Heenan to handle all of his travel for him and make all the reservations for him. So Bobby did everything he could to get Jimmy Hart to manage him. Because he didn't want to handle that anymore. But yeah, The Missing Link. And another funny story about The Missing Link. I don't know if we can call it funny, but uh, The Missing Link. He, uh, well... Let's just say he got on the bad side of Gary Hart because uh, there was a power struggle in world class. And, you know, Gary Hart, he was, you know, he was on one side. And then there was the Booker Ken Mantel on the other side. And the missing link sided with Ken Mantel. So he decided to go up to Gary Hart one day and smack him in the back of the head just because they didn't like him. So Gary Hart pulled a knife on him. And that was the last time the missing link bothered Gary Hart. That would get me to stop bothering him. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say so. Okay, Sarah, who do we have next? Shep from Shepland votes for these four. Sting, Ultimate Warrior, Goldust, and Jeff Hardy. So, Goldust. Goldust had a very controversial feud when he started in WWF with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper was the commissioner at the time. They had the infamous Hollywood backlot brawl at WrestleMania 12 that saw... Roddy Piper ripped Goldust's jumpsuit off, and it was revealed that Goldust was wearing lingerie. So that definitely furthered his character. 
Good Speechless, Good huh? Time. You are without speech. We have Jeff Hardy again. Jeff Hardy, so... Jeff Hardy still to this day is... You know, he's... He's putting on good matches. He's uh, he's had great matches with AJ Styles. He's had great matches with Edge in Triple H over the World Championship. Um, jeez. Anything else you can say about Jeff Hardy, Denny? I actually like Jeff Hardy for this pick. Um, I always thought he was a better singles competitor, as good as the Hardy Boys were. I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed the singles matches, especially the ones against Triple H. Just for the world title. Always good. He even had a good feud with Umaga, too. And Umaga will... We'll get back to Umaga a little bit later on. But, uh, yeah, that list there from Shep. We've we've talked about a lot of those uh, those names already. So, Sarah, who do we have next? Mikey from the Street submits Sting, Ultimate Warrior, Gold Dust, and The Great Muda. So, again, we, we have talked about all these names, but The Great Muda there. Um, one of the first people to do a moonsault. So we can thank the great Muda for that. He definitely brought some excitement to the NWA in the late 80s, feuding with Sting. But we've already mentioned that. So, Sarah, who do we have next? Next up is Polishus with Kamala, Goldust, Finn Balor, and Sting. Finally a vote for Kamala. I really thought that we were going to get more votes for Kamala. But we didn't. But hey, I guess that's the gamble you take with... Uh, lists like this but uh Kamala Sugar Bear Harris in Memphis Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler oh, I think I can do this one and Brian will appreciate it well Kamala you you, you see you're gonna you're gonna paint well you know your 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 face you know with with the paint and you know the moon you're gonna put the, well you know the moon paint up paint it on, on your belly your belly there and right right Right. Well, you know, you know, right there, the stars are on each on each bo- boob. Well, you know, and paint, pay, you know. So Jerry Jarrett gave uh, Kamala his uh, his gimmick, and man, Kamala, one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. Just a big dude that slaps his belly in. Well, you know. But uh, yeah, Kamala, big in big in Texas, big in Memphis. Went to WWF. When he went to WWF, went straight to the top with. Big fuse with Andre the Giant, with Hulk Hogan. Whew, Kamala was hot for a while. Then he went away. Then he came back. And feuded with The Undertaker. And they had the first... Well, it was a casket match, but they called it a coffin match. But come on, let's be serious here. It was the first casket match. Kamala and The Undertaker. After The Undertaker put Kamala away into the coffin, Kamala went... He underwent a gimmick change. He was originally managed by Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi, and they mistreated him. And the Reverend Slick let him let him know that. And the Reverend Reverend Slick started to, you know, teach him what it was, you know, what it was like. Well, you know, um, <laughs> taught him what it was like to, you know, to be an adult. Taught him how to bowl. That was very interesting. Kamala, but Kamala was always good as, you know. That heel, he went to the Dungeon of Doom in WCW, but he didn't last there long. <sighs> Kamala. Also, Finn Balor. We got Finn Balor on this list. The Irish-born Prince Devitt made his name in New Japan. You know, Danny. You know. I do. I love that face paint. That is 
awesome design. The, the demon. The demon. So just like the great Muda, Finn Balor, when he puts the face paint on, he gets these like mystical powers, these these superhuman powers. And uh, I know he's lost once as the demon to Samoa Joe, but I think he's won every other time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean he and I mean his first match on the main roster defeated Seth Rollins, won the Universal Title, and got injured and had to vacate the title. Bad luck, bad timing, bad timing. But I gotta say, Finn Balor had one. Uh, honestly, it, it's a very underrated match. Uh, it's an underrated favorite of mine because it's just a. It's a match with tremendous chemistry between two guys that know their roles and play those roles very well. And it was from the Beast in the East show. It was a network special in Japan. And it was uh, hyped around Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston. But I believe it was the opening match on the show was Kevin Owens defending the NXT title against Finn Balor. And, spoiler, Finn Balor won. But it wasn't excellent match, excellent moment and I know they had a rematch it was a ladder match, but that first match Beast from the East was, or Beast in the East Beast from the East is Bam Bam Bigelow but regardless that's a great match so Finn Balor, he, he adapts this face paint from like, it's kind of like a combination of like Venom and Spider-Man uh, it's, it's more so like Venom, you know he, he, he paints his face but he paints his torso as well, so he's got like this yeah. big Venom tongue painted on his chest and you know comes up his neck and whoever he has painting him must uh must work fast because i cannot even imagine how long that must take before a match to get painted up like that yeah definitely like the whole neck mouth uh deal especially when he comes crawling out it just yeah yeah it just looks awesome great entrance great presentation and Hopefully the rumors aren't true, but I have heard that the demon character is retired. We'll see if that's true or not. Time will tell. Sarah, who do we have next? The first time submission from Hailstorm Wrestling Customs is Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and the Road Warriors. So yes, Hailstorm Wrestling Customs. Check them out on Instagram. They do awesome LJN Wrestling Custom figures. I saw one recently of Howard Finkel that looks amazing uh rick flair in a suit awesome stuff awesome stuff i i keep getting impressed by the things that i see people create and make and sell and make me want but yes hailstorm wrestling customs they're naming they're naming the heavy hitters there sting ultimate warrior the road warriors all right sarah who do we have next Another first-time list from John David Guerra with the exact same selections, Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and the Road Warriors. John David Guerra, very excellent artist. I stumbled upon uh, I stumbled upon a piece of art that they made of Papa Shango, who is somebody who is not mentioned on this list, but uh, this image of Papa Shango that John David Guerra came up with, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a pretty cool painting, and I went on to discover that he's got a ton of these paintings, or a ton of these, I guess, digital artwork, you would say. But, uh, nah, great stuff. Check him out on Instagram. Cool. 
Yeah, yeah, he does awesome artwork. Um, but, you know, all his names that he mentioned on here, Sting, Warrior, the Road Warriors. We've we've mentioned them, but we can, you know, we can take some time to talk about his artwork here. But let's talk about Papa Shango. Papa Shango, the Godfather, comma, the Supreme Fighting Machine. Um, he had this short-lived gimmick as this, like, voodoo doctor. And nobody mentioned him. He, he just said, he didn't, he didn't last very long. And, uh only really had one memorable feud with the Ultimate Warrior where he made the Ultimate Warrior puke up black goop. Yeah, definitely too short-lived. I think he'll definitely be more remembered for the Godfather gimmick. Absolutely. With the hoe train. And yes. Was... Okay, Sarah, who do we have next? Death by Lariat brings us the Great Kabuki, the Road Warriors, the Great Muda, and Gold Dust. More names, more names that we uh, we have seen before, and these names are piling up. I'm trying to think of another gold dust memory here, or Dustin Rhodes for that matter. Um, how about when Gold Dust teamed up with Booker T? And they they Team started Black Gold. Team Black Gold, and they had they had these hilarious vignettes and promos, and now uh, they had they had great chemistry and really. I think helped Booker T transition into uh, the WWE style, and uh, they really they had a really good feud too with uh, Chris Jericho and Christian. They brought some life into the tag team division in 2003, 2004, I believe. Yeah, that was the time when he was stuttering a lot, right? Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes, yeah, yes. Good time. Yes, that was a great gimmick. All right, Sarah, who do we have next? The list from the Blue Lou includes some popular names: Sting, Ultimate Warrior. Gold Dust and the Road Warriors. Hey, you know the Blue Lou. I do. That is my cousin. <laughs> Danny Love, related to the Blue Lou. You heard it here first, folks. But yeah. Lou tried to sneak a fifth name on there, so it's only going to count for half a point. That does sound like Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, who do we have next? Steve from Connecticut, Rhode Island submits Sting, the Ultimate Warrior, the Great Muda, and Gold Dust. Uh, familiar names here. Familiar names. Who, who do we have next? I'm curious. Next, we have Jeffy from the Riv. Ultimate Warrior, Sting, Gold Dust, and Road Warriors. You've got to be kidding me. Well, I'm curious. Who's next? Cashman and Plymouth adds votes for Sting, Ultimate Warrior, The Great Muda, and Gold Dust. You huh. say? That's very interesting. It, you, you, I'm starting to think that uh, some of these face-painted wrestlers are pretty iconic. I'm also seeing that a lot of these votes are uh, piling up for these people here. So it's going to be very interesting to see how things come into play and to see how those .5 votes are going to come into play at the end. Uh, very interesting here. I like it. I like it. I like that we have an episode about face-painted wrestlers right around Halloween. Yeah, it's not something you see too often in the business, a face-painted wrestler. Even though they're known just not yeah, as iconic as you know like a Stone Cold or a Rock you know in that sense when you think of a face painted wrestler who do you think is the most successful one who do you think in a wrestling company that has worn face paint has made enough of an impact Sting Sting yeah Sting Ultimate Warrior I'd say more so Sting for longevity and quality of matches but that's just one man's opinion. 
And I mean, ask anybody, the dream match has always been Sting Taker. Sting Taker. Yes, absolutely. But it never happened. And it never will happen. So it will always be a dream. But if it were a reality, it might have been a nightmare. We never know. Sarah, who do we have next? The next submission is from Adam in Jacksonville. Sting, Ultimate Warrior, Goldust, and Finn Balor. Whew, Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and Goldust. I wonder if they ever had, like, a face paint party. That'd be interesting. They could, fi- they could hire a clown to come paint their faces all, you know, at the same time. Well, I guess you would have to fight. You, you would have to hire a group of clowns. But they could all ride in the same car, because clown cars are very spacious. Fit a lot of stuff in a clown car. Sarah, who do we have next? Phil Squared has on his list Sting, Kamala, The Great Kabuki, and The Missing Link. Yeah, alright. Phil Squared, I can tell, watched a lot of the uh, Southern-style wrestling there with those names. Looks like he might have been a fan of World Class. I don't know him personally. That's just my guess. Sarah, let's keep this train going. Next up is Billy the Biker with Jeff Hardy, The Boogeyman, Gold Dust, and Vampiro. Okay, so we got some new names that we can talk about here. First, The Boogeyman. Danny, what are your thoughts of The Boogeyman? That is such a great gimmick, great look. I mean, the worms, dude. Come on. Yes, came to the ring with a mouthful of worms and would spit them into his opponent's mouth. He'd also smash a clock over his head, too. I, I, I don't know why you would do that, but then again, why does the Sandman whack himself with a Singapore cane? Presentation, I guess. Or stupidity, who knows. But The Boogeyman very interesting story about how he got his foot in the door absolutely you remember this Danny I do remember tell, tell me about this uh, tough enough yes and he he lied about his age lied about his age ended up getting kicked off but still got signed anyway yes <laughs> still got signed to Ohio Valley Wrestling and Jim Cornette made something out of him and gave him this boogeyman gimmick very bizarre he uh came onto the scene in the resurgence of uh well, I guess I'm just going to refer to it as WWECW. It was when WWE rebooted ECW and it was a shell of its former self, but the Boogeyman was there. And uh, Boogeyman wasn't really known for his wrestling skills, definitely his character. Um, I guess anybody that bites the mole off of Jillian Hall is, uh, isn't really going to be world championship material, but hey. It's enough for him to get Rookie of the Year, though. Rookie of the Year? You got Rookie of the Year? 2006. Oh, okay. I was trying to think of a Rookie of the Year joke. <laughs> was it? I, I lost. Uh, and I'm very happy to see Vampiro mentioned on this list. I am a Vampiro fan. Vampiro Canadiense. When he went down to Mexico, the Canadian vampire. He was trained in Canada by Abdullah the Butcher. He was also a former bodyguard for the band Menudo. Then he went down to Mexico, and they laughed at him. They laughed at his blue hair that was in dreadlocks and his rock star look. But guess what? That joke was on them because he became a superstar down in the CMLL promotion. Became such of a heartthrob that he was offered the lead role on a soap opera. The problem was, he wasn't very good at Spanish. So behind his back, Conan went to the producers of the soap opera and said, hey, I'm just as popular as Vampiro and I speak Spanish. How about you give me the role? And they did. 
and Vampiro was not very happy. He held a grudge against Conan for years and years until they met back up in WCW and they buried the hatchet because they had to. But Vampiro came into the company with the legendary punk rock band The Misfits and he started wearing his skull face paint patterned after them. But then when they left the promotion, Vampiro ponied up with the Insane Clown Posse like we were talking about earlier. He was in the Deadpool with ICP and Raven. And then once Raven left, like we said, he was in the Dark Carnival with the Insane Clown Posse and the Great Muda. And he was even the Juggalo Championship Wrestling Champion. And even defended that title on Nitro one week. Believe it or not. After the company went under, he was in... TNA, he had a great feud with Raven uh, they had a brutal hair versus hair match where Father James Mitchell was holding the the uh, the buzzers the wrong way and actually scalped Raven, shaving his head it was brutal remember those uh, weekly TNA pay-per-views Danny? I do <laughs> I don't know how you can do a weekly pay-per-view but they were cheap enough all these people that think that $9.99 for the network is too much money Imagine, back 18 years ago, TNA. If you wanted to follow that company, you had to pay $10 every week to watch it. Every week! But that was alright, because WCW went under, ECW went under, it opened up some room for funds and uh, the old pay-per-view portion of my old budget that I never followed anyway. It wasn't bad. It was pretty good wrestling at the time. Yeah, and they, they you know, they tried everything they could. They, uh, Jeez, they even had Puppet the Midget pull a gun on Jeff Jarrett. Oh. <laughs> Those were the days. Sarah, who do we have next? The first ever list from Import Figures is Sting, Ultimate Warrior, The Great Muda, and Jeff Hardy. Import Figures has one of the greatest wrestling figure collections I've ever seen. It's a lot of international wrestling figures. He does have a awesome great Muda collection a great Curry Man collection he's even got a great Raven collection he's got the same screaming bullseye Raven statue that I have just a different uh, just a different shirt design so I guess that kind of makes us you know like brothers action figure brothers yeah yeah sculpture brothers I guess we spend our money loosely <laughs> yeah, you got a pretty impressive collection too, dude. <laughs> no, import figures. That's where it's at. He's got all. He's got the cool internationals out. He's got the great Sasuke collection. He's got some good stuff. I got. I got stuff more on the state side, you know. But yeah, import figures. Check him out on uh, Instagram if you want to see some cool, rare pieces of wrestling figure history. But the names he has on here: Sting, Ultimate Warrior, The Great Muda, Jeff Hardy. Familiar names. So, uh, Sarah, who's next? The first submission from Finishing Moves Wrestling Tees includes Ultimate Warrior, The Road Warriors, and Demolition. So by default there, Demolition, Axe, Smash, and Crush. They're getting some points right there. I'm starting to wonder if these half points are going to play a huge role. I think they might. But yeah, Finishing Moves Wrestling Tees. Uh, I just saw them on Instagram. They, they just... Gave me a follow, I followed them back, and I took a look at the apparel that they have, and it's pretty cool. They have t-shirts with the names of finishing moves on them. Um, 
really cool font artwork, really cool designs. So if you're a fan of t-shirts, check them out. I don't know if they're soft style yet, but give them a shot. Cool stuff. What do we have next? Another first list, this time from Heelboy Figs. The Great Muda, The Road Warriors, and Umaga. Heelboy Figs, congratulations on becoming a father, by the way. But he mentions on here, Great Muda, The Road Warriors, and Umaga. Danny, I know you know a little bit about Umaga. Tell us a little bit about Umaga here. Umaga, uh, definitely part of a huge wrestling family. Uh, can never pronounce it. How do you pronounce their last name? The Anawaii? The Anawaii family. <laughs> uh, you may know some of them. You know The Rock. I think every error has had a family member. But Umaga, yeah, just remember his debut, Three Minute Warning. Yes, Three Minute Warning with Rosie. His cousin Rosie, who became the superhero in training. Uh, if we you can't don't say that. This if is you don't get the show. acronym, then you know it is what it is. But yeah, Umaga, his um, his mother was the sister of Alpha and Sika, and uh, you know started out that tag team with his cousin. They were the Island Boys, and yes, when they came to the main roster, they were Three Minute Warning, and he, you know, he got released. Went to Japan, made a name for himself over in Japan. Uh, in all Japan, even had a few matches in TNA, but made his way back to the WWF. WWE, managed by Armando Alejandro S. I can't roll my tongue. Estrada. Oh. Estrada. <laughs> Estrada. Estrada. Armando Aldrondo Estrada. But Umaga, I don't know if you remember this, Danny, but Umaga had an absolute bloodbath with John Cena one year at the Royal Rumble. What year was that, Ian? Oh, God. I think it was, I would like to say 2006. Uh, that's my guess. I'm going to say 2006. You want to fact check me live, Danny? Fact check me live. That's a 2006. It was bloody. It was like a, some sort of street fight or something like that. But I'd say it was Umaga. One of Umaga's most high-profile matches. Is there in a few? 2007. Okay, 2007. Okay. It was um, in January, right? Yeah. Okay, it was, it was the last one. So Umaga's highest-profile match, however, was against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, but... They were kind of the background characters for this match because Umaga represented Vince McMahon and Bobby Lashley represented Donald Trump. And whoever lost would get their head shaved. Not Umaga or Bobby Lashley. Good thing because Bobby Lashley was bald. But if Umaga lost, and he did, that meant that Vince McMahon got his head shaved. Imagine if Donald Trump got his head shaved at WrestleMania. Definitely would have been a different look for uh, Mr. Trump. Definitely would have not have been as an iconic look for today. Come on, he looked like a big orange in the White House. Sarah, who do we have next? Next we have Angie and Tiverton with Sting, Ultimate Warrior, The Boogeyman, and Finn Balor. Alright, so another vote for Finn Balor. That's pretty cool. And another vote for The Boogeyman. I like it. I like it. And if Angie has a list... And that means that... 
Johnny D votes for Sting, Ultimate Warrior, Jeff Hardy, and the Road Warriors. Johnny D. Sneaking in an extra vote there. That's alright, it's all good. All adds up in the end. It all comes out in the wash. You know, we've been talking about the Great Muda, and uh, two matches come to mind. One of them was the Great Muda in 1993. Had this absolute classic match. If you didn't see it, you wouldn't believe it. Great Muda versus Hulk Hogan. It's unbelievable. Hulk Hogan wrestles a completely different style in Japan than he does in the States, and he delivers an enzigiri to the Great Muda. Hulk Hogan delivers an enzigiri to the freaking Great Muda. That's unheard of. I, I know. <laughs> Until we heard it. And then, the Great Muda had a match with Jushin Thunder Liger. Jushin Liger finished very well on our Mount Rushmore of masked wrestlers. But yeah, Jushin Liger versus the Great Muda in New Japan. The Great Muda takes off Jushin Liger's mask and Jushin Liger's wearing face paint and he blows the green mist at the Great Muda and we find Jushin Liger's alter ego here Kishin Liger who's only made a few appearances one of them recently before he retired he uh, took off his mask and revealed that that hair that's in that mask it's fake hair he's bald the guy's bald he took out a knife and tried to stab somebody too but that you know wrestling come on wrestling Sarah who do we have next the next list is from Package Pile Driver Shirts. Sting, The Great Muda, The Gladiator, and Mr. Pogo. Okay, so we have here The Gladiator, Mike Awesome, and The Gladiator, who is actually related to Hulk Hogan. Pretty crazy when you think about that. Um, but yeah, The Gladiator and FMW, the longest reigning Brass Knuckles champion. He had a legendary feud with Hayabusa, but an even more legendary feud with Masato Tanaka. And they brought that feud over to ECW and had absolutely incredible but also cringe-worthy matches. Uh, bending steel chairs over one another's heads and tossing one another over the top ropes and through, through tables below. Uh, just brutal, brutal feud. But um, yes, the Gladiator was a, was a brief gimmick of, um, of Mike Awesome. And also on that list is... Mr. Pogo. Now, Mr. Pogo was uh, a, a Mr. Pogo was a wrestler from New Japan in the in the 70s, but he made his way to uh, to the states and made a name for himself. Uh, you know, in the smaller territories, even worked in Stampede Wrestling, Puerto Rico, but really known for his FMW death matches against the likes of Hayabusa. And Atushi Onida, he, uh, he's also known for two very violent acts. One is blowing fireballs at people. And now we, you see the fireballs that get thrown over in America. You know, they're very dangerous looking. Mr. Pogo. Mr. Pogo drinks lighter fluid and blows these huge fireballs at people. He also has this like sickle that's uh that's on a chain that he would use to cut people's foreheads open with and stab them and dig into their back he was uh 
I would not want to wrestle Mr. Pogo. Very violent, violent wrestler. He's uh, no longer with us, but um, yeah, if you're a fan of death matches, Mr. Pogo is right up there on your Mount Rushmore. Sarah, who do we have next? Finally, we have the list from none other than our own Brian Hates Brett. Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and the Road Warriors. Well, we all know Brian hates Brett, but I guess he doesn't hate Sting, the Ultimate Warrior, and the Road Warriors. That's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty solid list there, Brian. I, I say you picked the most iconic names there, but uh, Brian's votes count this week. The votes that don't count this week, of course, are mine. And Danny loves this week, Danny. Your list does not count. However, how would you like to read everybody your list? Sure. We got Sting, Jeff Hardy, Finn Balor, and Dustin Rhodes. Very respectable list there. Um, you know, I, I can't really can't really argue with any of those picks. I mean, for myself, I I've got Road Warrior Animal. I've got Sting. Oh, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. We've had some tough lists. Surprisingly, this is a really tough one. So I'm going to go with Kamala. And my last pick, I have to go with the Ultimate Warrior. And I know everybody else went with him. But I don't think there is a more iconic wrestling symbol beyond a logo of a company, that is, um, than the Ultimate Warrior's logo. The Ultimate Warrior's logo is just iconic. Um... You see it, no matter what color it is. You know it's the Ultimate Warrior. So, yeah. Sting, Animal, Ultimate Warrior, and Kamala. So, before we find out who is on the Mount Rushmore, I just want to talk about names that have not been mentioned on this list so far. And there are a decent amount of names. We already mentioned Papa Shango. What about the Kiss Demon from WCW, Danny? You know anything about the Kiss Demon? It looked a lot like Gene Simmons. <laughs> yes, and it was actually the band Kiss that played on Nitro. And after they were done with their God of Thunder, out of this big Gene Simmons-looking coffin came the Kiss Demon, Dale Torborg. And now he's like a, a batting coach for some baseball team. I forgot. But yeah. Uh, also, about the Powers of Pain, the Warlord and the Barbarian. They were... A definite Road Warriors ripoff, but hey, they had the face paint. Uh, on the female side of things, Bull Nakano. Bull Nakano, a legendary Japanese wrestler who had a, a brief run in the WWF feuding with Alundra Blaze, but it's more known for her run in Japan. Uh, her name says it all. An absolute bull in the ring, but a legendary performer. On the Lucha Libre side, Damien. Uh, a WCW luchador and uh, legend down in Mexico, also known as Damien666. That's very suitable for Halloween. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom, the Shark, the Zodiac, the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, all face painted. Oh, and Kevin. And speaking of which, yeah, the uh, the big guy sitting in the chair, who Kevin Sullivan would call Father, Father, give me the answers, Father. Uh, what about the Ascension? The Ascension, recent WWE tag team that were released, they were face-painted. They were kind of a flop on the main roster, though. Raven briefly painted his face. Um, 
The Blue Meanie. Blue Meanie had a little bit of face paint. More females to add to the list. Sensational Sherry. Sensational Sherry painted her face a lot. She was always changing her look, but she almost always had face paint. As did Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon had those, uh, those scary veins painted on the side of her head. How about when the Usos debuted? The Usos had their colorful tribal paint. How about when Cody Rhodes teamed with Goldust and became Stardust? Do you remember that team, Danny? I do. Star. Yes, he hissed like a cat. <laughs> Very entertaining vignettes, too. But Stardust, uh, Cody was, was pushing for almost like a Mick Foley kind of role where Stardust would be on one show and Cody would be on another show. It's too bad because that would have been very interesting. Um, a very obscure and short-lived gimmick, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, was a character portrayed in the early 90s by the Brooklyn Brawler, and it was to mock the real-life baseball strike situation. Aja Kong. Aja Kong had, I think, two matches in WWF, but over in Japan... A monster, a legend, and I think she even made it onto an AEW show once. WCW's answer to the Ultimate Warrior when they couldn't get him? The Renegade. Very short-lived. We mentioned the Headbangers. How about the Headhunters? They were big in Puerto Rico and in FMW. In Japan, they only had... They, they were both in the 1996 Royal Rumble, but that was really it. How about Mantar? Mantar would come to the ring with a giant bull mask on top of his head. And when he took it off, he had, he had some face paint. The Hurricane. We know him as wearing a mask now, but when that gimmick started, he had a painted face. Now we have some more modern names here. A name that I'm shocked didn't get mentioned. And if I had gotten a list from Nikki Homicide, I know that she would have mentioned Asuka. And Asuka is making quite a name for herself, so who knows, she might go down in history as the greatest face-painted female performer. Who knows? There are some other face-painted females out there right now that are currently active in wrestling. AEW has Abaddon, and Impact has Sue Young. So, very interesting that most of the major promotions now have a face-painted female Superstar, And the last name that I have on here is Darby Allen. Darby Allen making a name for himself now in AEW. And he's got that pretty cool zombie look going on on half of his face. Danny, do you think Darby Allen is the zombie kid all grown up? I like turtles. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They look way too much alike. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, another name too. Yeah, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa uh, has been in AEW, and the rumor is she just signed with WWE because she just lost the NWA Women's title. So yeah, Thunder Rosa too. So now, Sarah, we gotta know who made it onto our Mount Rushmore of face-painted wrestlers. This episode's Mount Rushmore is with 21 votes, Sting; with 19, Ultimate Warrior; with 14.5, Road Warrior Animal. And with 12.5, Road Warrior Hawk. The rest of the stats are Gold Dust slash Dustin Rhodes with 11, The Great Muda with 8, Jeff Hardy with 5, Finn Balor with 3, The Great Kabuki with 3, with 2.5, Demolition Smash, and finally with 2 votes each, 
Kamala, The Missing Link, and The Boogeyman. So a lot of people called it this week. A lot of people called it. Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and The Road Warriors. Um, I, I can't argue it. Legends. Four legends. And Goldust. So close to making it to the Mount Rushmore. It was neck and neck all week with these votes. Literally, as of this afternoon, Hawk was not on that Mount Rushmore, and Goldust was. So that shows you how close it is. So what do you think? You think they got it right, Danny? There's definitely those half points that did it, but definitely. I like that list. Yeah, you, you can't you can't argue that. I mean, the greatest tag team of all time, and two of the most iconic wrestlers of all time, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior. So yeah, bravo everybody, bravo, and bravo to you, Brian. You got it right, even when you weren't here. <laughs> next week, maybe Brian will be here. We'll see. But next week's list is going to be the Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling. So we want to know who is on your Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling. Now, you can go about that any way you'd like. You can go about that as who put on the greatest matches. You can go about who were the most uh, dynamic personalities. You can go with whoever you think is the best looking. It doesn't matter. It's your list. It's your criteria. Therefore, you can put anybody on there that you want. So, if you would like to follow us, you can follow us now on Facebook. You can join the group Pro Wrestling Rushmore. Go on over there. You can comment on any of the photos on there just as you can on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at square.circle.history. Also, go on to YouTube. Look up Squared Circle History. Like, share, subscribe, and drop an elbow on that notification bell. Just find us. We're everywhere now. We're everywhere. Where are we going to be next? Who knows? We're going to be broadcasting live from the Double Cross Ranch. No, we're not. That's false advertising, Terry. So, for Danny. Good night, guys. And for Sarah. Till next time. This is Ian saying good night.